Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Anita J, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Wednesday, March 14, 2018, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 37 the third paragraph, which begins, in some circumstances we have. And we're going to comment on that one paragraph only. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Deborah L., 12 traditions, Jen M. Readers of the text are Hoodie R. and Rachel N. M. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, March 13th, are for the 7 a.m. meeting, 11154, 11154. And for the 10 a.m., 11156, 11156. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Deborah L. to read OA's 12 steps. This is Deborah L. in New York, the 12 steps of OA. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 
Nine, may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much, Deborah L. And I'll now ask Jen M. to read Always 12 Traditions. Jen, press star one. What happened to you? Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, the 12 traditions of OA. Um, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Number three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsive eating. Number four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting the other group or OA as a whole. Number five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the overeaters who still suffer. Number six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Number seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Number eight, alcoholics or overeaters anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Number nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Number 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Number 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Number 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles over personalities. And thanks for letting me do service. Thanks. Thanks very much, Jen Ann. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. And to share, you press star 1 to unmute. 
Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're resuming our study of the big book on page 37, the third paragraph, which begins, In Some Circumstances We Have and we will be commenting on that paragraph only. And I'm going to have um, Hoodie R start us off. Morning, Hoodie. Hoodie. Good morning, Anita. This is Hoodie R. I'm being heard? Yes, yes. Okay, thank you so much for your service. My name is Hoodie R, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. In some circumstances, we have gone out deliberately to get drunk, feeling ourselves justified by nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or the like. But even in this type of beginning, we are obliged to admit that our justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in the light of what always happened. We now see that when we began to drink deliberately instead of casually, there was little serious or effective thought during that period of premeditation of what the terrific consequences might be. And, you know, more talking about, you know, hearing more about alcoholism, talking about that curious mental twist that we have that, you know, how often I remember, you know, being nervous, angry, worried, depressed. Okay, forget it. I can't. I don't want to live anymore. I'm bored here. I don't want to. Um, I can't. I can't handle life because you know my problem was life. I couldn't. I can't deal with with these kids anymore. And I would go out deliberately and say, okay, okay, uh, a, a tub of ice cream that will fix it. And um, and then I'm gonna um, justify because you know. Let me justify the fact that okay, I could I could have it just you know just this once. I mean. I mean, it, um, I deserve it, and um, and then I would fall, and um, you know how insane that is to decide to just think that something like that would help me, or um, and, and, and deal with make things a little better, um, and um, and I never thought of the consequences of what would happen afterwards, after like what that that we hear that 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 nine seconds of pleasure that it gives me. Um, that strange mental twist is, is, you know, I don't think before that first bite about the consequences. That food is there in front of me, and all I think about is that and nothing else. And um, and then I then I suffer afterwards. And so I just love the fact that here, like here in this program, you know, as I work through the 12 steps, I can be healed from this mental twist and be aware so that I don't have to act insane around food anymore. I get to check my thinking daily. Um, you know, these thoughts will come up, and I get to check it out with other people. And, um, you know, no, you know, I am so grateful that today um, I don't have to deliberately go out there and um, eat over my feelings. I don't have to eat. Um, I don't need that anymore. I don't want the food anymore, and I'm happy. And um, I'm just so grateful that one day at a time, as I walk with all of you, um, to develop a better better relationship with my higher power and learning how to live in this world, 
in peace and and joy. And with that, I pass. Thanks so very much, Lydia. Who else would like to share on page Malky. 37? Malky? Yes. Rachel and M. Rachel and M. Lynn S. Lynn S. Ramona A. Ramona A. Terry N. Terry or Perry? Terry with a T is in terrific. Oh, Terry. <laughs> good, good self-image. Okay, go ahead. Jackie B. Jackie B. All right, that's a good little lineup. Everyone else wait. Let's let's hear these first seven, I think. Uh, Melky, and what is your first initial of your last Malky, name? It, my name is Melky with an A, M-A-L-K-Y, B. B. All right. Good morning, Melky. Hi. Good morning, everyone. I'm so, so grateful to have this fellowship. I'm not a usual talker on this meeting, and sometimes, <laughs> but today I feel, I just feel I have to because this paragraph says it all for me. I think I need it, I want it, and I deserve it. And then I used to do it, I used to have it, want it, eat it, deserve it, and feel that that's going to help me, fill me that void or the tired or the cranky or the whatever it is. Or And today I don't do that. And I was just thinking about it. That's the gift of today because yesterday I had this huge, huge resentment. And it's still you know, in the process, because it's a, it's a complicated, it's a few people involved. And, um, and I know that in the past, like, I, I was sitting and feeling this horrible, horrible, horrible feeling. And like, I'm thinking to myself, as I'm saying it, I actually sat and felt my feelings. That wouldn't have been me. My past would have been, now I deserve to go out and get whatever I want. And I don't care. I don't have to tell anyone. I could eat it in my car, I could bring it home, and you know what, if my family sees it's fine too, a heck with it, let me just throw in the towel and like punish myself and then be like all wild with the food. And and today I'm like, you know what, it's so good for me to hear this because that would have been me. That is me. Actually, not would have been, that is me without recovery. That is my soul and heart. I want it, I want it now, I deserve it, I don't want to process my feelings, I don't want to do a resentment, I don't want to see my parts. And it's so good to hear this. I, I have this feeling. I deserve it. I need it. This is going to help me manage. And then I slumped into a food fog, like into a drug state of like, uh, and then all my, like, like I, don't, I don't take drugs. I never drank, drank or taken drugs. But I can imagine that that's how it feels because that's the feeling. I'm saying, okay, I never did. That is my drug. Food is my drug. And yes, as, as I'm saying, I'm like, what are you saying? Yes, food is my drug. I get into that like, ah, oh, numbed out, and afterwards I'm nauseous and sick, and then it continues, and I need more stuff to help my nauseous. I need salty stuff and sweet stuff, and it goes, it's just endless. And yes, it is very, very challenging to sit and not to eat and, and to process my resentments and to work it out and to, you know, it's, it's painful, but you know, there's such a gift to it. It's such a gift to it. Today I'm waking, I wake up early in the morning, and I'm, Listening to all of you, I have recovery. I have hope. I have a different life. I could see things. I could live through my pain. To me, I thought it's the worst thing. And you know what? I am surviving. I am surviving. I'm abstinent. I'm grateful. And the minute I start getting any type of food thoughts, I know 
somewhere something, something is not clean in me. Somewhere I'm not owning the something I feel, good, bad, disgusting, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what. And it is painful mm. to go through the process, but it's worse pain to be stuck in that place of the cycle of dysfunction, pick up the food, hurt mm. myself, hurt my family, hurt my soul, hurt my life. It's just such a gift to be here and not to be in that place. And mm-hmm. then, that, okay, thank you so much. I'm Alfie from New York. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks so much, Malky B. Uh, Rachel M., you are up, followed by Lynn S. Hi, this is Rachel M. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader and anorexic from Ohio. Um, well, what what is it here that um, that I wanted when I would deliberately um, do this? because of feeling sorry for myself, anger, depression, jealousy. Well, you, I might have thought it was for a taste, um, but it was really for an effect. And and the utmost thought on my mind was not the circumstances and was not the um, consequences, I mean, but it was rather the effect. I, I deserved an effect, I felt. Well, um, today I can get the effect of peace and contentment from doing the steps. And also by doing the steps, I I keep in mind clearly what the consequences are of, of poor choices. Um, and so I... I have a freedom today that I never had before. One, I can see clearly the consequences no matter what part of the day I'm going through, um, whether good or bad. And secondly, I have a beautiful way to get the effect that I need to be okay in my own skin um, by, by doing my 10, 11, and 12 without any negative consequences to myself or to others. I'm grateful for that today. I pass. Thanks so much, Rachel and M. Lynn S., you're up, followed by uh, Rowanna. Rowanna A. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. This line really speaks to me. We have gone out deliberately to get drunk feeling ourselves justified by nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or the like. And that speaks to my last binge, and I, it is burned in my brain. I'm standing in an outdoor parking lot. I'm going through the garbage can of this outdoor parking lot because I had just come out of a meeting. I was enraged at my sponsor. I had told her I just put my binge foods in the garbage can outside and uh, in you know, my estimation I didn't get the right amount of attention. I was waiting for her to talk to me. She was busy talking to other people because she'd just spoken and I just went ballistic and I remember going out to the parking lot and somebody else had put their Tim Hortons garbage on top of mine but it was closed up so I just lifted it out 
reached in, got my binge foods. I turned around and I could see my sponsor diagonally across from me at her car talking to somebody else with her back to me. And I just opened the binge food right there and I stood in the parking lot glaring at her and started stuffing my face with this popcorn. And that was the start of my last binge. And from there, of course, I went with that bag of food and everything else and I felt so justified. And it was the first time I can remember deliberately eating at someone. I have eaten before to get to get you know that that sense of ease and comfort that that twirling up in the air and that ah as I float back down of the first bite I've eaten for that before but this was the first time I felt filled with rage glaring at this person and eating deliberately at them it was um it was a really I want to use the word significant, which doesn't even say it. It was, it was an incredible feeling. I know we use the word annihilation a lot in here, but talk about annihilation of spirit and life and everything. I was, I was just dead but filled with this rage. And I'm so grateful, little did I know at the time, that that was the beginning of you know, my last binge and that I would then find recovery. And I... I um, now the behavior, I, I understand it, I know why I did it, sort of, but it does seem absurd and incomprehensible, really, in one sense, and yet fully justified by rage and jealousy. And thank you, God, I don't get the intensity of those feelings anymore. And when I do, I have the 10th step to work through them, and I have my OA friends for support, and I have a higher power. And with that, I'm grateful. I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lynette. Ramona A. followed by Terry Ann. Uh, hello, this is Ramona A. Can you hear me? Perfectly. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for your service and for everyone else on the line. Um, there, I turn off the speaker. Maybe that'll be better. Um, this this means so much to me, this passage, because I, what I remember is I needed the food, and I would say I just need to get through this, whether I was writing a paper in school or doing a difficult project at work or trying to sell my house or whatever, and I always kept the the bags of something or another, you know, in my desk drawer or around the house or whatever, and I didn't do it just to take one, you know. I just kind of kept myself constantly drugged while I was going through whatever process I was going through, you know, whatever particular challenge it was at the moment, and that was how I get through it. And I tell myself, in the beginning, the only consequence that I could remember or think about was that this will help me get through it. And, of course, it always had a, you know, never never just got through it. It always continued on, and it always had the negative consequences. You know, it was never uh, just just the, the one that I was looking for, the effect of calming me to get me through whatever. So uh, now I don't have to do that, and I can just pray and ask God, well, help me to get through this project, help me to get through this moment, help me to 
And there are other, you know, other tools that God's given me through a way to help me with that. Um, so I, this really, uh, really touched me, this particular one. I ate over other emotions, too. I always did. But uh, that particular way of using food just stands out so starkly for me this morning. So not having to do that anymore is such a freedom. So thank you, and I'll pass. Thanks so very much, Ramona A. Carrie N., followed by Jackie B. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Terry N. in New Jersey. Um, making myself share on this line, I don't know why I have such a hard time, but I do believe that um, getting outside my comfort zone is an opportunity for growth. So I'm pushing along. Uh, <laughs> grateful to be here um, on this meeting today and really grateful not to be at work. <laughs> anyway, um, I I used to think that I made it, I, you know, I never really thought about, I knew what the consequences were and I did it anyway because as we talked about before, you know, I'm pretty insane when it comes to food. And I used to think that I made the decision to pick up the food. And I'm coming to find out that I had no power over that. I had no mental defense. I had no power over that mental twist that to pick up the food. It wasn't up to me. I, had, I was in this disease, and I was powerless. And today through work in the program, I have that neutrality around the food, which is, it's utterly amazing. It, it, it's utter, it's so amazing um, to have that. And I feel like it's going to stay that way so long as I stay in that fit spiritual condition. And, you know, it's a lot of work. It's hard to stay in fit spiritual condition. I have a lot of obstacles um, in my life that cause me all these emotions and you know I have to continually work on what how what my reaction is and uh, we're going through a change at work that I think I've shared about before that is very difficult we're going to a completely new computer system and I have to constantly I'm constantly yesterday saying the serenity prayer and trying to adjust my attitude to be more positive and you know it's all these things are an opportunity that I have because I'm not in the food and because I'm entirely abstinent and try to continue to be willing to work this process and this program that I'll have the opportunity to, you know, live life on life's terms and get through whatever I need to get through a day at a time. And so I'll keep coming back. Thanks so much for letting me share. Thanks so very much back at you, Terry Ann. Jackie B, you are up. Thank you. I am Jackie from the Bronx, and thank you, everyone, for your service and your shares. All the shares, I'll tell you right now, took up at least two minutes of my share because that's me. So I know I'm not alone. I'm in the right place. Um, what I wanted to share is, you know, I always was the victim, martyr, and everything else. I never played a part. I was always the victim. Today... I am not the victim today. I am someone who finally gets it. Um, yesterday I had to have a 
a surgical procedure, outpatient, but it was a procedure. And I had to be put under, I had to have an IV and all that. And if it wasn't for these meetings and these and everybody sharing their experience, strength, and hope, I don't think I would have been where I was yesterday. Yesterday I walked in totally serene. Um, 19 months ago when I finally understood the allergy and the chemical reaction to food um, and the noise stopped in my head, I was amazed. So now I have this amazement because I work this program every day. I do all the steps. I do my 10th, my 11th, and 12th. I uh, read the big book. I share, I do service, and so when I walked in there, I, for the first time, felt not afraid, not fearful, but accepting. I was so mellow that the lady had to take my pressure twice to make sure I was okay. She said, your pressure is so low. I said, because God is taking care of me. Why well, couldn't get take it myself? The only thing is, thanks to this program, I heard people say about intravenous, listen, is there any sugar in that intravenous? I need to know. No, we don't do that anymore. I said, you sure? Because I'm not going to leave here wanting to binge my head off. So please, check, make sure. You know, that's what this is all about, us sharing ourselves, not hiding our disease, but giving it out there. Uh, one of the nurses said to me when one of the orderlies took me back and forth and said, you know everybody in this hospital? I said, no, I know nobody in this hospital. But you know what? I'm very glad you're all doing the job you're doing today. Thank you so much. Everybody get home. Be safe. You know, I made a whole hospital happy just because I acknowledged their existence. Old Jackie would have been like, I, I, I. No. My husband was a nervous wreck all day, and I was accepting. So I want to put that out there. Wherever you are, whatever place in your recovery or not in, keep coming, keep reading, keep expressing your fears, anxieties, discontentment, and horrors because we're here to hold you because you're doing the work. Do the work, you'll get the results. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks so much, Jackie B. All right, we're on page 37, the third paragraph, just that one paragraph. Who would like to share? Melissa C. Melissa C. Chrissy G. Chrissy G. Jen R. Jen R. Lisa B. Lisa B. Sandy S. Sandy S. All right, let's stop there. That's very nice. All right. Melissa C. followed by Chrissy G., Jen R., Lisa B., and Sandy S. Good morning, Melissa. Hi. Good morning, Anita. Thank you for your service. It's Melissa C. Recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, so what this paragraph kind of reminds me and, and confirms for me is that Consequences mean nothing to me. You know, that my my memory of the consequences, I'm smart. I understand cause and effect. Um, but when I deliberately set out to eat, I could care less. The consequences, they don't matter. They're not nearly as um, pressing to me as the desire. The desire overrides 
it dominates everything else. It pushes consequences into the tiniest little corner. And so um, I'm screwed. Like, that's the truth because I can't rely on consequence. And, you know, I, I shared before, like, I commute, right? And I know where the cops hide on my, on my commute. And I don't even have to get burned by the consequence of getting pulled over. Um, I've seen other cars get pulled over. And so I can learn. I know where to slow down on my travels. Um, and yet I cannot apply that when it comes to food at all. So when I deliberately set out to eat, I knew that I was morbidly obese. I knew my clothes didn't fit me. I knew that my blood pressure was high. I even knew when I set out to binge that it wasn't going to stop right then and there. Like I had enough knowledge about myself, enough experience to know that once I started eating, I could not stop. And it wasn't going to stop with just that bag or that box or that you know, item. It was going to continue all night, and it was going to get ugly, and it was probably going to continue for the next week and maybe the next month, and I knew it, but it didn't matter. And so I can't, I cannot rely on my thinking at all. And, you know, it just tells us here that we, um, we've got, I have to have a different solution other than me. Um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Melissa C. Chrissy G. and then Jenna. Yes, good morning. It's Chrissy G., recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. And um, I, I was just, just listening to the shows this morning. I was just reminded of um, something in the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions book. And it says, it says basically that no one should say that these steps, this program doesn't require any willpower on our part. You know, just because we're powerless over the food and powerless over um, circumstances in our lives, lives to a certain degree doesn't mean that we don't need willpower, have strong will to work this program. It takes every amount of willpower to do this work and it, it says, who wishes to be rigorously honest? Who wishes to make amends to people? All of these things that, that the program is asking us to do takes a, an incredible amount of willpower. Just to, uh, to put down the food and to agree to, to eat by a food plan takes a certain amount of willpower. So it's I can't do this on my own. I think in terms of being full of self-will and and that that's different from exerting my will to conform to God's will and to conform to this program. It's two different things. And and I I am struck by that mainly because I hear a lot of people who call me who say that, you know, they're just waiting to be kind of waiting to be ready to put down the food and that you know, that doesn't that's not necessarily how it works. It's not like all of a sudden it becomes seamless and easy. It's it's always going to take an exertion of my will. It takes, I, I feel like I have to be like a fierce warrior to fight this program, to go against my natural impulses and desires. And it's, I can't forget that the grace of God comes in and makes it even possible. 
it it wasn't it was impossible without the grace of God. But the grace of God comes in and makes it possible. And I have access to that grace by working this this program and I have a formula to live my life every day to conform to God's will and to receive the grace to live it in a healthy way and not to hurt myself anymore. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Chrissy. Uh, Jenna, followed by Lisa B. Hi, everybody. This is Jen R. in New Jersey, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And I have a few comments about this paragraph. Um, at the beginning of the paragraph, we hear that, uh, that many of us pick up because of nervousness, anger, worry, depression, and jealousy. Well, I also picked up for happy events, um, for excitement, um, for joy, any emotion that took me past totally mellow and serene, one direction or another, any, in any direction, I would want to eat. Because my only happiness is when I was completely mellow and serene. And that is not my natural circumstance. I was born with the ism that, of alcoholism, compulsive overeating ism, the ism. And um, that ism is that I'm the restless board and, and, and discontent or you could say uneasy, um, easily irritated, and never satisfied. That's, that's my default position. And so I crave to be to move into calm serenity, and so I always chose the food. But I've learned in this program that higher power can keep me in calm serenity all the time. So whenever I'm out of that position, I can I can do prayer and meditation and I can work the steps and that'll get me back to the calm serenity in the middle. And I don't think of it as, oh, I have to pray and meditate. It's I get to pray and meditate. Just like I, I could choose food, but I choose not I choose to not have the food because I have a choice now. I have my higher power giving me the ability to not choose the food, to not pick up. And today is a great example of of how much I need that. Um, I'm in a lot of physical pain. I'm seeing the doctor in about an hour. Um, physical pain is something in the past that's made me pick up because of fear, because of physical discomfort, that kind of thing. I just immediately did some 10 steps this morning with a friend who's up early. And I'm, I'm calm and serene again. And I suspect what it is and that it's going to require surgery. And I'm totally comfortable with that. Um, and I'm only there because my higher power has led me to that calm, serene, centering place. And uh, that's all I have to share. Thank you very much. Thanks very, very much, Jenna. Lisa B., followed by Sandy S. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you for your service, and thank you for everyone that's here. Uh, the word that really speaks to me that I identify so much with is spree. And a spree is, I looked it up, <laughs> it's a spell or a sustained period of unrestrained activity of a particular kind. It also is a period devoted to indulging in an activity to excess. So, you know, I got in touch with my real compulsive overeating when I got abstinent. Um, just like some alcoholics say, when they put the plug in the jug, that's when they really saw their alcoholism. For me, abstinence was always the problem, always the problem. I could not feel okay in this world without something to take the edge off. 
So, you know, in this wonderful big book, it teaches me to continue to watch for any disturbance. And that's why these steps are in place to keep me, to keep me safe and to keep me neutral and to keep me recovered. But I had to put the food down so I could understand and comprehend this program, program of action, and then begin the work and not linger too long in the steps. And today, abstinence, I do happily and I do it with comfort and peace. And there's a stillness inside me. There's a rest. There's an assurance. I have a new footing. And it's because of living in these steps. But it started with putting the food down and knowing that I'm going to feel uncomfortable. But, you know, I know I'm kind of sounding like a parrot because I'm saying what we hear every day on the line. But it means so much to me. It means so much to be able to live and function in a state of abstinence, in a state of emotional sobriety, in a state of spiritual serenity, and in a state of new footing. And it's really these steps that are the growth steps, steps 10, 11, and 12, that encourages me, that tell me I will die eventually by picking up, dying in many ways on many levels before the food comes, if I don't watch these disturbances. And I love the clear-cut directions in this book, but I had to see that um, I'm going to die. I'm going to die if I don't do them. But the truth is I could live into my golden years, into my hundredth year, and never get recovered and just die inside first, you know. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks very much, Lisa B. Sandy, Sandy, was it S? Yeah, S is in Sandy. Okay. I love the line, we now see that we began to drink deliberately instead of casually, that when we began to drink deliberately instead of casually, there was little serious or effective thought during the period of premeditation of what the terrific consequences might be. Well, for me, I always drank deliberately. It was never casually. I drank over eight. I mean, it was my, I loved, I loved overeating. I thought I had the game beat. No, I thought I knew because I could eat and throw up and I didn't get fat. How great that was. And um, I just remember one time, well, let me just say this. I literally almost got killed compulsively overeating. I went out very late at night uh, after a date. I said goodbye to the date, and then I turned the other way and went to the deli, and on the way, I was stabbed. And um, it definitely was a spiritual experience that I'm alive. Uh, it was it was pretty miraculous. I was down for the count, and uh, when I ran to the deli, blood was coming out of me. It's a little dramatic, but I really thought I was dying. And I really feel God saved me. This happened in 1973. And um, two years later, in OA, I was walking in a very dangerous neighborhood at 2, 3 in the morning and thinking and premeditating and thinking, walking to an all-night grocery and thinking, I could get killed again. And I thought, I don't care. I don't care. That's how I just don't care. That's how important the food was to me. It was everything. It was more than my life. And I guess because I was such a low bottom, impulsive overeater, my recovery is so important to me today. So important. I am so grateful. And I am so grateful, particularly that I have that memory, that I just couldn't care less if it annihilated me. I was getting that food. And I do have tremendous will. 
And I have a choice every day. Am I going to use it against myself or am I going to use it in recovery? And I am definitely going to use it in recovery. I mean, I have experienced so much peace, inner peace, actually, the thing I always longed for, much more inner peace than I've ever experienced. Do I also experience tremendous feelings of anger, worry, depression, jealousy? Yeah, I do. I am an extremist in terms of my feelings. But I can take that extremity, that energy that's within me and use it for good and also allow my higher power to calm me down because for sure I can't do it. If I could have calmed me down, I would have done it a long time ago. And with that, I pass. Thanks very much, Sandy. All right, three or four more names. It will work. I would like to share. Jan S. Jan S. Larry. Larry. Toby K. Toby K. Not out. Matt. All right. Let's see if we can get you all in. All right. Janice, please go ahead. Good morning. May I be heard? Yes. Yes, you can. Uh, thank you. Thank you for your service, and thank everybody on the line. This is Janice calling from St. Augustine, Florida. Um, I just, I always say this every every morning. I love this chapter. It's my favorite. It really depicts. Uh, what I've done in my life as far as um, whether or not uh, I'm going to be sane and sober or insane. And for me, thinking that I could pick up some food that's going to help me solve my problems or the problems of others or anything that's going on in my life is pure insanity. But that's what I did. Uh, I have two grown children, and when they had challenges in their lives and my emotions, you know, came came up, flaring, uh, fear, worry, you know, anger at what was going on in, in their lives, not even my life, you know, I took it all on. I took it all on. And when I got so crazy with it and so insane with it, I, um, I had to eat. I had to eat to cope because I couldn't stop the mental insanity. I couldn't stop it by myself. So not only, I ha- you know, I had to come to terms with the fact that not only am I powerless over picking up the food, I am powerless over, main- over entertaining that thinking in my life and binging on the emotions. That stuff is what brings me back to the food every time unless I work this program because that's my solution. The spiritual solution is in the steps, and that's the only way I'm going to be able to remain sane through whatever vicissitudes happen in this world and in this life. You know, uh, it life happens, and I simply, I simply cannot pick up every time there's a blip, but that's what I used to do. I used food for soothing me. I used food for keeping me awake, and I used food for I'll show you. I will show you. I, and, and what was I doing? I was eating to show somebody else, and I was hurting myself. 
and then once I hurt myself, the rest of the world just, you know, suffers right along because I, I don't have any any consideration for people or any of that. So for today, I am grateful that I don't have to do that anymore and that I have a choice. And thank God for this program, I do have the wisdom to know the difference. I just have to take it one day at a time and keep working my program and keep taking good care of myself. One day at a time, making outreach calls, doing my 10th stop. I, I can't afford to sit with it anymore. Right. Thank you. And after that, I pass. Thanks very, very much, Janice. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for your service, um, Larry Kay, um, Recovered. You know, for me, um, when I think back to the eating, most of it was very deliberate, which for me, when you do something deliberate, it's both intentional and, and you're conscious of it. You're conscious of it. And it was very intentional, and it was not a passive activity. It was very active. There was no surrender to the food. It was all premeditated. Now, sometimes I could get lost in, in my hands in a bakery box or a cellophane bag. That's true. I could numb out. But I never found myself, you know, parked out at a, at a fast food restaurant or outside a, a Walgreens or a CBS, um, you, you know, as if I had some sort of, uh, you, know, you know, like the, there, was, there was, you know, how did I get here? You know, it was all intentional. What's, what's ironic for me is this recovery is intentional. It's deliberate. It's conscious. You're conscious of it. It takes conscious, deliberate actions, just the same conscious, deliberate actions we took to eat. Um, it takes to work these steps. The difference is when I, <clears throat> when I deliberately, intentionally picked up my food, I knew exactly what I was going to get, which was a few seconds of, ease and comfort. When I embarked on this deliberate action of these steps, I had no idea what I was going to get. I heard you guys say what I was going to get. But that was, that was, fair, yeah, that was fairy tale stuff. I was hoping to get sprinkled with pixie dust and it never happened. See, I had to trust in a process that I had no idea which way it was going to go. And that takes courage. But if you take the actions... You know, I heard someone once say, test this, this what, what, what do you want to call it, a God? T test this God. See if this is all a bunch of BS. But do it precisely. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks very much, Larry Kay. Toby Kay, you are up. Toby? Uh, yeah, could you hear me? Yeah, I can, yes. Go ahead, please. Um, hi, Toby Kay in Florida. Um, yesterday I cut my finger and I ended up um, in the urgent care center. And I said, okay, this is a great recipe for getting myself uh, food drunk. It was inconvenient. I had to miss a meeting. My husband was playing cards. He couldn't take care of me. I was here by myself. I was full of self-pity, and um, I, I didn't feel good about myself. Why did I have to go do that stupid thing that I did? It's always a stupid thing, and cut myself. Um, and while I was waiting in the um, waiting room, uh, I, I said my psalms, 
and it did uh, calm me down to a degree. And I knew that I was going to go through the rest of the evening okay because I knew I had God with me. And uh, I was hoping that that would keep me sane because I am insane. And um, thank you for letting me share and for being part of this group. I pass. Thanks so much, Toby K. Miriam, it's your turn now. Thank you. Thank you very much for your service. Anita, good morning, everyone. This is Madam with a puzzle over here. In some circumstances, you've got to deliberately to get drunk, you know. For me, that's a, um, I've gone out and I deliberately tried to get try to get drunk on food. That's red red flag of relapse, you know. I, when I had the thought, taking the actions and work, and I have to go out and like actually act on those thoughts. That's that's the problem. That's it. Where the real sickness is for me, and um, you know, I've reflected more than I did more than Jim did upon the consequences. But you know what? There's always there is always for advice and trivial excuse. I like I came up to my head like I need this so bad. I need this food to survive. I need to get through this horrible emotions. So that's why I pick up the food, and that's not that's not the case. I need to leave the food alone because the food is not what helps me. Um, being connected to my higher power does, calling in the meeting, being on the meeting, listening, and hearing everybody share their experience, strength, and hope. These are things that help me, not the food. The food stopped working a long time ago. If it was still working, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone up to 700 pounds if the food, if the food was still working. You know, the food the food is just like a stop. You put, it's like putting like a Band-Aid on an open cut that's, so, that's much bigger than the Band-Aid. I need stitches, but you're just putting a bandit on because you don't know what to do. You're too scared to go to the doctor. And sometimes when I first started coming here, I was too afraid to speak up because I didn't want people to know how messed up I really was. I must say how many how much issues I had other than the food, which is all exacerbated by the food. So I'm grateful today that I can be honest about it and listen to myself and listen to others because I definitely need, I need you all. I need to be able to come here every day and feel safe, which I do. And just share my share whatever I know, whatever I want to hear from you guys, and be able to listen to as well. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks very much. Who wants a minute to share? Well, <laughs> let me say, this Anita, I um, I saw you. Hi, Margaret. Oh, all right. Here, wait, who is that? Hi. Quickly, one uh, minute. Go ahead. My name is Hudson. My name is Hudson. I'm new to, uh, or I'm back in the rooms again, and um, this is my first share. Um, so quickly, um, as I prepare for the day with food and just uh, listening to all of you and your recovery, um, I feel humble. I'm shaking in my boots, trying to do the next right step, and uh, and um, it's just. I just wanted to be able to say something out loud for the first time. So um, this year is one day at a time, and um, I put the food down for about 10 days as I know how to put the food down currently, and uh, I feel better. I feel shaky. I feel excited. Um, Thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Hudson. What's the initial of your last name? I'm sorry, H, uh, I mean L. Hudson L. L. Hudson L. All right, welcome, welcome. All right, everybody. Um, We're now going to, I want to thank everyone who shared, and please join us for the second, the unrecorded hour, 
uh, immediately following announcements and newcomers. Uh, the share ID for this meeting we've just uh, been part of is 11161, 11,161. And we're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164. Please, um, I'll now have, um, you know who you are. Please. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel and M. Good morning. This is Rachel and M. Oh, you're you're a little choppy, Rachel. No, I you're you're just breaking up constantly. Can you move a little or No. I need it I need it. This is Melanie, I can take care of that if you'd like. Okay, Rachel, I'm sorry. I think it'd be better. Melanie, please go ahead. Okay, thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until 